That's rich, Azariah. That'll go down in Grace Point lore right there. <laughs> Who's teaching? Boy, aren't kids honest? I don't know what he meant by that, but... I want to welcome our visitors this morning. It's good to see you. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but just uh, if you see someone you don't recognize, man, go up and love on them and talk to them. Uh, Teresa, the Tammy that wasn't you is here today. We have a Tammy here today. That's right. I called her Tammy last time, and I was just predicting the, the arrival of a new Tammy. So we have a Tammy with us this morning. Good to see her. And uh, anybody see, I'm going to embarrass you, Mark. You're going to have to forgive me. Anybody see that picture I posted on Facebook, me and a, a brother? He likes Jesus and jazz. Yes. I had 160 likes. That, 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 that young man's here today. It's good to see him. Brother Mark's here. So thank you for coming. We love you, Mark. Thank you for coming today. Tell him you love him. If you don't, you're a backslider. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Great. And just, just uh, I, I got to tell you this. It's in my, I just love you guys. I think about you. I pray for you. And me and Pam both do. We think about you and pray for you. I keep Sandy Connard in your prayers, thinking of that. Um, I don't know if it was public or, but she asked me for prayer. Bill had to go to the hospital and she's asking for prayer. And um, I haven't heard any updates. I've texted her. So uh, Bill was in the hospital. And just keep her in a lot of prayers. She needs a lot of strength, grace, and mercy. So, amen. Well, we love you guys, and it's just great to see you. Yes. Okay. Now or just put it on the... Okay. Okay. Addison, who is your niece? Great-granddaughter. Okay. Addison, great grand, okay. No? Yeah, Michelle's going to college. Hey, Sonny, can you put that on the list of things to pray for, the Addison, the, to mail that out? Great granddaughter, Evelyn and Jeff. And we'll get Michelle. And before you leave, we want to pray for you, Michelle. All right. Oh, we had a, Sue, can I tell that testimony? You want to say anything about it? Okay. <laughs> we had a great testimony. She called me. If I get anything wrong, please correct me. But your brother Ronnie was in a hospital in dire straits. Cancer. Serious. Couldn't breathe. Just really, and they, they called it a level four? Four. So she, she called up and we prayed and the Lord, really, the spirit of faith was there. We prayed for him, and we just prayed for good news by the next day. And you called me, and he was setting up, breathing. He felt a hundred times better. Amen? Amen? And he was out moving and mobile. And I don't know, any updates from then? He'll be coming home tomorrow. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Always be open to how the Lord, well, I just, that encouraged me, and and encouraged Sue, and she didn't want to testify. But I just want to share that God does answer prayer. Amen. I don't know why certain prayers don't get answered. I don't know. You have to check in with God about that. Amen? But God does answer prayer, and we need to be praying. And, oh, I just so appreciated Mike, um, our brother, yesterday. We got to pray for him. I just believe in God that things will be different in his life and back. And I just love that. Sam, I, is that his name? Sam, I just love that brother. I really do. 
And he always comes to the men's breakfast, loves to come to that, and that was just wonderful. And we just pray, pray for him. His, his back, I, me and Charlie laid hands on him. We're agreeing, aren't we, Charlie? For total healing. Uh, just keep praying for uh, Brother Sam. Yeah, it's just great to see him. Thank you for bringing him, Mike. Really. All right. I got a lot to teach. I will not be able to get through this message in one. And, and thank God, amen? Because it's too much. I would be here for three. This is really a seminar, Okay. Um, I have, it's like a five-part seminar that I could do, or maybe a ten-part, but I want you to lock in, and it's really predicated off of the other two messages that I spoke earlier. I started talking about the mercy of God. How are we saved? Is it your works? And it's even beyond grace. What is, what does it take to be saved? The mercy of God, the mercy of God, and when Paul is coming into Romans 12, and, and Paul did this a lot. He'll give you a lot of theology, and then Paul makes it practical how we're supposed to handle that theology, how we're supposed to live. If the Word of God does not affect our behavior, come on, folks, it, it, then it's not doing us any good. The writer of Hebrews said that they didn't mix the Word with faith, so it didn't do them any good, right? So we need to take the Word and mix it. So Paul lays down theology in chapters 1 through 11, and I mean, he gets into it. He's talking about justification by faith, sanctification by faith, our identity with Christ, even our glorification with Christ, being conformed into the image of Christ. Then he goes into topics like predestination, the ones that the church likes to fight about, right? Election, being chosen by God, and what all that means. And he, and he winds up saying, hey guys, the bottom line is everyone needs the mercy of God. You're all saved by God's mercy. Ain't nobody here that's saved that wasn't saved by the raw mercy of God. And that's when he poured out. You know, the Bible says, come to the throne room of what? And what do you receive at that throne room? Mercy. Ain't that cool how they work together? It's the throne room of grace, and you get mercy there. I love mercy. Oh, God gave me a rub. It's so good to hear from God. Hey, what time is it? What time is it? At 10 till, I want everybody waving at me. We're doing communion at the end. Wave at me. Stop me. This is part one. It's going to be two, three, and four, and five. So I don't have to finish today. Amen? Amen. But it's so good. You can wave your hand again, Mark. You can go, it's so good to hear from God. And that's Evelyn's message last week. And thank you, Evelyn, for that message. She talked about digging in and mining the Word of God. It is so good to hear from God. I remember when the Lord spoke. It's one thing for the Bible to be written on a piece of paper. It's another thing to have it written in your heart. Because when that word of God is written in your heart, it'll change you. It'll do something on the inside. I know people that, and I'm going to get into this a little bit, people that have an intellectual knowledge or a head knowledge. I told before about the guy. I asked him, I said, hey, brother. I said, do you know the Lord? And he rattled off 10 scriptures in a row to me. I was like a, he was like a robot. Boo, 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 boo. He knew the word of God. And I go, wow. I go, then he's done. I said, well, do you know the Lord? And he kind of stunned him. Like right? He thought that by rattling those scriptures off, he's kind of a combative guy, you know? And anyway, but he had a great, he had a mind that knew the Lord. It's not just intellectualizing the gospel. We need for God to breathe on us. He breathed on Peter and Paul. He breathed on Jesus. Amen. 
the Spirit was all over Jesus and everything he said, and the Word of God is God-breathed, but it don't do you no good unless it breathes on you. Remember when Jesus looked at him and he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Ghost? The Word of God, Jesus is the Word of God in a body, the Word of God breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Ghost, receive the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I don't want to preach Evelyn's sermon all over again. But I remember when the Lord told me, he said, Brad, do you want mercy? I said, Lord, I need mercy, and I need it today. I was praying for mercy for me today. I was praying for all of us. I was saying, God, we all need your mercy. Some of us more than others, maybe. Now, we, we really, honestly, I need it as much as anybody. We all need the mercy. I was saying, God, be merciful to us. And the Lord said, do you want the mercy of God? I said, Lord, I need it. I do want your mercy. He said, be merciful. That's the word of God. Do you want mercy in your life? It's simple. It's so simple. Be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall. God said, this will happen when you are merciful. I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing up, right? When you are merciful, you will obtain mercy. Oh, and there's another side to that. I don't even want to get into the other side. So, man, I just, I said, Lord, it's my goal from now on in the rest of my life, I want to show mercy. You know, even in chapter 12, where we're going, you can flip there, Romans 12, even where we're going, one of the gifts of the Spirit that's in the body is showing mercy. You ever meet someone that's just so good at showing mercy? There's a gift of mercy. They just throw mercy on everybody. You couldn't get them to talk bad about someone if you paid them. They're just showing mercy. Well, honestly, that gift in that person is an example for us. That's how God wants us to be. I was with someone recently, a person I love, and all this stuff was going on, and it was behavior that, you know, I don't like, I don't condone. And I just said, you know, the Lord was just like telling me, I've preached to him enough, I've talked to him enough, I've tried to persuade him enough. He's just saying, Brad, just throw mercy on him. Who is the one that is going to judge every human being, everyone here and everyone in Utica? Who's the one that's going to judge them? God. Church is going to get judged by Jesus. There's, and there's going to be a separation of the people that don't know, that don't know the Lord. God's good. So you don't have to worry about that part. And Charlie, thank you. We hold one another accountable for sure. We do that. But that's, not, that's a different ball game, right? We want to be merciful. Does anybody have anything in your life that you need mercy for? I mean, just mercy. If you don't, if you don't, you know, I would just love to see the Lord put up on a screen your thought life. Like, just throw it right up there. All the things you thought about. What you're thinking about me right now. Just throw it right up there. <laughs> right? No, 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 folks. We need mercy. So because we need mercy, we should just be dripping with mercy. So that's how we're, we're anchoring in to this word that I'm giving you. Paul was telling them, which I preached on twice, in view of God's mercy. I'm saying all this, and he tells them, because of God's mercy, now offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Folks, that's your reasonable service. That's just reasonable. That's your spiritual act of worship. You want to worship God, offer Him your body. That means on Monday and Tuesday, God, my body, we may need room to grow. We may not be everything we want to be, but we should be offering our body, everything about our lives. You know, you guys gave today, and thank you for giving. 
I know Pam and I appreciate it. The church appreciates it. We're not going to function without some offering. Thank you for your giving. That's a part of your sacrifice to the Lord. Someone was in here worshiping. Peter said that your worship is a sacrifice of praise. You're serving. That's a sacrifice. Everything in our life should be a living sacrifice to God. We present our bodies. So Paul tells us, you know, God saved our spirit. We belong to the Lord. Now give your bodies to him. And while you're at it, you need to renew your mind. And I'm, I'm kind of going over some of this first part quick because I've talked on it before. But he says, give your bodies to God. And I put a little question mark, and I want to ask yourself this. Are you presenting your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice? Are you? I don't know if you are not. I'm asking you to ask yourself, are you doing that? Do you wake up? God, I belong to you. I present myself to you. Do you touch base? Lord, I'm yours. You're the Lord. Whatever you want, that's what I'm going to, you're the Lord. Because of your outrageous grace, Lord, I present myself to you. And then he says, Trans, be renewed, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get this, when we renew our minds, this enables us to know the will of God. How many people would like to know the will of God? How many times have you asked somebody, pray for me, I need to know the will of God in this situation? I and mean, I've asked for that. Do you know when you're in the Word, you're spending time with the Lord, you're communing with God, you're allowing Him to renew your mind. You can actually apprehend and know the will of God for your life. You can know it day by day. You can know it month by month. You can know it year by year. Should I sell a house? God has a mind about that. Yeah, yeah, you're perfect. You got, yeah, you guys were laboring over that. When we present ourselves to God, we renew our minds, His will becomes apparent. It's tested. It's approved. And it's good. And God shows us what it is. And as I said, I'm going right down the line here. Renewing our mind is not just knowing intellectually the scriptures. Do you know there are atheists that can quote the Bible? Did you know that? What good's it doing them? Right? I don't really need to say anything else. Atheists can sit and quote the Bible. You can have a pastor living in sin, get up and scream the Bible at you for an hour, right? Knowing the scripture is not having your mind renewed. It's a part of it for sure. You can't renew your mind without it. We need to open our minds and our hearts to the word of God so it takes root in our lives. And the first thing, folks, that's going to require you to know that you don't know everything. You probably have some things wrong. And you need Jesus to correct you and instruct you and teach you. Amen? We need to be childlike when approaching God. There are things I believe now that 10 years ago I didn't believe. I heard a preacher recently get up and told his congregation, all that stuff I taught you, he said, throw it all away. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, he's a pretty famous preacher too. He said, throw it all away. I was wrong. Isn't that something? The way I, I listened to that guy for 10 years and he's telling me to throw all that away. That's crazy, isn't it? That's why when a preacher preaches, you need to go home and get in the word yourself. Anything I preach, I expect you to go home and 
dig around in it, root in it, pray over it. Amen? You should. You can come up and tell me. I think you're wrong. Just be nice about it. Then I'll give you five scriptures while you're not right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. We need to allow the word to take root. I preached out of John 15, and in James 1, it, meant, it mentions the engrafted word, Charlie. As I said, Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the will of God, the word of God made flesh. The word of God to profit us has to become engrafted in us. It's like we're born again by the word and the spirit. That word wants to get so in your heart, so in you, where it's faith becomes automatic. Amen. Run, brother. Yeah, amen. Amen. It can become automatic. That stuff will come. You're not trying. When the word of God is engrafted in your heart, you're not trying to believe anymore. You're just believing. And honestly, truly, when we're, the word is engrafted and the spirit's on it, you're not even trying to witness anymore. It's just coming out of you. Hey, dude, right? Hey, dude, I like that song. You know, hey, I, you know, you're not even trying. It's just coming out of your heart because you're getting filled with the word. When they filled those water pots, they were stony water pots. I think I taught on this on my Thursday night teaching. It's on Grace Point Community Church on YouTube. Those water pots were made of stone. They put that word in there, right? So that the, and I look at it like we're the stony pots. That word is the word of God. When Jesus spoke over that word, what did it become? Wine. That's exactly what God wants to do in us. He wants that word to go into our hearts the Word of God, He wants to speak over it. That means you're in a love affair with Jesus. No one's telling you, you got to do this, you got to do that. You're in a love affair with Jesus. Folks, I'm not all I want to be. I had a great week this week. I remember I had a brother. I was out running, doing quarter lap repeats. Anybody want to do that with me? Go do mile repeats and quarter mile. All right, I got one. I got one. Anyway, and I got talking to this cross-country kid from Newark, and I just... Holy Ghost said, you got him, ask him. And I just said, boom, hey, do you know the Lord? I love that. I love when God gets inside of me and does that. But do you know there was other situations? There were two guys on a motorcycle at the pumps. Same one, I met you at, Mark, same pump. And I felt this thing to go over, and I just said, ah, you know, I just kind of threw it off. I said, ah. So what I'm saying, I don't always, I'm not who I'm going to be yet. I might be batting 500. I don't know. God knows. Maybe three. Maybe 300. You know, 300 is pretty good though, isn't that? Ten times I'm up to the plate. I get three hits. I can win the batting title. Amen? If I'm up to the plate a thousand times, how many times do I get up to the plate in a year? Maybe a thousand times? If I get up to a plate a thousand times and I get 50 home runs, I'm the home run leader. Amen? So I am not the person that I'm going to be but I'll tell you, folks, I am aiming at something. I want to renew my mind. I want to be transformed. I want Jesus to, I didn't forget my illustration. I want Jesus to speak over that word when I'm getting in the word and make that word wine so it's real to me, so I can manifest it. Jesus was the manifested word of God. Jesus is in you by his spirit. He wants to manifest in you. He does. He wants to manifest in you. And, that's, and this thing we're going to find out is manifested all throughout the body. I didn't teach last week. Someone else did. Very capable teacher. We didn't have the same worship team this, this week. God's gifting. Someone had a prophecy today. You know, 
God's gifting the body. All t- we had teachers downstairs. We've got all different types of gifts and callings in the body. It's not just the preacher. When I do my job well, and when this thing is done, and when I go to heaven, if I've done my job well, when I leave here, about five years later, people will say, Brad who? Brad who? who? Brad Kittle, I don't know him. Oh yeah, he, him and his wife started this church. They're, they're in heaven now. The thing should just flow because we're a body. Guys, your pastor, I pray all the time, Lord, create, build an expression of Jesus in this community. Build a temple here that when people come to Grace Point, they're falling on their face. People are getting miracles. People are being loved. The poor are being fed. We're still feeding kids in Haiti. God, the poor are being fed. The works of Jesus are being done. People love each other in this body. Create a body of people that love each other. Knit our hearts together. I pray it constantly. I want the Lord to build an expression of himself, and it's not a pastor. It's a body. So transforming our minds is allowing that word to become engrafted in us. It involves reading, revelation, and action. But folks, it involves putting on the mind of Christ. You know, Jesus has a mind. You know, the Spirit has a mind. Romans 8 says, those that mind the Spirit have life and peace. When you set your mind on the Spirit, it brings life and peace. Did you know that? Me and Pam were talking about peace this week. If you set your mind on the Spirit, He brings life and peace. In Second or First Corinthians, I think it's was it two fifteen, two sixteen. It says that the body of Christ says we have the mind of Christ. You, you've got it. It's the mind of the Spirit. It's not your mental mind. It's not your fleshly, there's a carnal mind. It's not, when you hit your thumb with a hammer, that's the mind of your flesh. You know, whatever you want to say, that's probably the mind of the flesh. It's the mind of the Spirit that says, whoa, boy, reels you back in. When you're mad at someone, you want to talk evil about them, that's the mind of the flesh. That thing inside you, whoa, whoa, that's the mind of the Spirit. Pray for them. Be merciful. Forgive them. Be good to them. It's not your first impulse. Jesus has a mind. He has a thought process. So if we're going to renew our minds, and I'm going to show you this in the Word, we need to learn to think like Jesus. Why don't I get miracles? Why don't I get my prayers answered? You've got to put on the mind of Christ. I don't believe Jesus ever prayed a prayer that wasn't answered. You got his mind. You can dig. You can mind. You can search the scriptures. You can pray. You can press in. Paul tells them, and I'm going to get there, but he tells them that they need to be sober-minded this morning. That thought just kept ringing in. What, what time is it? I want to pace myself here. I want to make sure I'm where I need to be. Okay, so I got 10 minutes. I'm going to go through this for two or three weeks, guys. Paul t- tells them to be sober-minded, right? That's, a mi- that's the mind of Christ. Be sober-minded. One of the things about being sober-minded, he says we have to be realistic about where we are. 
And something I preach all the time, if we're going to take on the mind of Christ, that's the eternal mind of God. It's really the mind of God in a human being. That's what the mind of Christ is. It's the mind of God in a human being. And we have that mind, and that mind is the mind of the Spirit. That's why I encourage people to pray in tongues, whether you believe in it or not, because you can't pray wrong when you pray in the Spirit. You, pray in, you can't. You can't pray wrong. If you don't do it, you ought to ask God to fill you with it and, and get it, because it'll help you pray. It's the mind of the Spirit. If you don't believe in it, dig a little deeper. You're praying out the perfect will of God. Paul said in Romans 8, people don't even know how to pray as they should. So pray in the Spirit. Get the mind of God, because God has a mind. You know, that's one of the gifts that we have, and people have that gift, and they never use it, and they say they don't know what God's will is. God knows what His will is, and if we pray in the Spirit, in English or in other languages, we're going to discern the mind of God. Amen? So we should be doing it, seeking after that mind. But Paul says we should be, have a sober mind, sober judgment. He's going to tell us why. I'll get into that. But something I was thinking about being sober-minded is being realistic about where you are and who you are. If the mind of Christ and walking in the Spirit and obeying the Lord and being like Jesus is the goal, I look at the goal as like here, right? Just in a natural explanation. Here's our goal. Our goal is to look and live and sound like Jesus. Isn't that the goal? I mean, isn't that the goal? Come on, no one can deny that's the goal. Paul says we're going to be conformed into his image. It starts now, and I believe it's going to take an eternity when I'll look at you, and you're going to look just like Jesus. You know, when you get to heaven and some of those people that died, you're going to see them, you're going to be blown away about how they're just kind of different. They've been in the atmosphere of heaven. They had not had sin, nothing impeding them. They're going to look more like Jesus than you probably ever saw them look like Jesus. But when you're born again, you're a baby, the Bible says. Then you become a child, then a young man, then a full girl. We are in a walk with God. And so Paul says the renewing of the mind is a transformation. And what we do oftentimes, here's the goal, live, look, be like Jesus. And we're here, and we're growing, and we're following, and that's God's plan, that you become more and more like Jesus through the transformation of your mind. But he said, be sober-minded because we know we're not all there yet. He said, some people in the body are weak. Doesn't he say that? Doesn't he? He does. Some people are weak. And he talks, you know, we're all at different places. But since that's our goal, let's be sober-minded and realistic. Where am I really at? Here's the value of being sober-minded and realistic. You'll be able to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I need to work on this in my life. I need to work on this, Jesus, in the Spirit. I need to be praying over this. I need understanding in this area. I'm not doing good here. We'll take a simple area. I got several I could use as an example. Peace. You think Jesus is nervous? You think he's nervous? Do you think Jesus is rubbing his hands and anxious and did he, was he anxious and nervous when he was on the earth? Before he went to that cross and had to become sin up until that moment, 
you never see Jesus sweating anything. What he was sweating in the garden was he had to become you. It made him nervous that he had to become you because he knew he'd be separated from his father for the first time. That's the only time you see him sweating like that. The Bible says if we keep our mind on the Lord, stay our mind on Him, we'll be at absolute peace. How many of us have struggled in the area of peace, not being at peace? I don't want you to raise your hand. I'll bet 50% of you would raise your hand right now and say, I haven't had peace this week, Brother Brad. Is it God's will for you to have peace? Is it God's fault that you don't have peace? See what I mean about sober-minded? We'll take certain things, take healing, I didn't get healed, that's God's fault, or that's, you know, we want to blame God, anything. Is peace yours? Why don't you walk in it? We need to have our minds renewed to the mind of Christ. I'll give you another area, and I'll stay off anything. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Is it God's will that you should not sin? John said, I write these things to you, come on Jesus, help me, help us, I write these things to you that you sin not. Did he say that? Yeah, he said that, I don't want you sinning. He said, if you sin, if you sin, Paul said, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? What was the answer? May it never be. Paul said, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law, but you're under Therefore, sin should not dominate your life. So, Jesus is totally undom undominated by sin. Has, did anybody struggle with temptation or sin this week? Did anybody sin this week? It wasn't God's will for you, was it? Otherwise, Christ would be a minister of sin. So, why do you, you see what I'm saying? So, sober judgment, a sober mind says, I am struggling here. It actually takes humility which I'm going to preach a lot on humility. I'm not going to get to it today. I want to talk about humility of mind. A sober mind says, hey, no, I did sin. Thank God Jesus is merciful. No, I haven't been walking in peace. I've snapped at my wife. I've done whatever I do, you know, whatever your problem. You know, I, I, and I see some things people say, well, yeah, God doesn't want me to sin or God wants me at peace, but then they'll excuse something else. I just can't help but drink. I got to drink. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm talking about to excess, folks. I'm talking about being, getting drunk, people that struggle. We excuse it and say it's a disease or I can't help it, thereby you nullify the grace of God in your life. You just wipe out God's grace because you said, I can't help it, I've got to do it. You've wiped out the Word of God. You've wiped out anything in your life that could bring transformation and you excuse it. Someone say amen. Sober-minded, that's kind of a pun in a way, isn't it? She got it, yeah. Sober-minded is saying, no, I'm struggling, and this isn't God's will for me. Whether you're going to AA or what's that, Celebrate Recovery, which I like, or anything, you can say, this is not God's will for me. I yell at my wife, okay, I do, and, and God loves me, and I'm struggling in this area. I don't know how to receive anything from God. I have zero faith for anything, not just healing. I don't know how to get any prayers answered. I don't got any faith. Then sober-mindedness is saying, that's, that's me. I got a temper, whatever it is. Then 
You allow the Lord, you're honest, you get in your prayer closet and you and the Lord do business. Come on. I do all the time. I, I am so far from perfect. I miss opportunities. You know how the Lord treats me and I'm going to end because we want to do communion. This is a good, actually a good way to enter into communion. The Lord talks to me. The elderly couple in the gym, and I, I, I kept getting this prompting to, to uh, talk to him, you know, and I didn't go over and talk to him. I was busy. Pam was waiting for me. I blamed Pam for it. Lord, it's 1129. I told Pam I'd be in the parking lot at 1130. And you know, the Lord is so gentle with me, Avalon. Later on at home, he just comes over and he's just, he, he just shows me that scene in my mind. And he says, yeah, I, that was me. I wanted you to go say hi to those people. That was me. And he's gentle about it. I go, okay, Lord, thanks. And I just say, Lord, help me. Help me to be more faithful. Help me. He says, okay. He's not beating me down. Why would he? He'd just beat me down. I'd, just, I'd run from him. I'd never do it. I'd say, I've got to hide. Where's the nearest bar? I need a drink. I've got to get rid of this sober mind. I'm sorry, man. That wasn't appropriate. Anyway, the Lord talks to me, and he doesn't bring condemnation. He just shows me my opportunities. You lost your temper. You were afraid. And we talk through it, and I get in the word, and I pray, and I say, God, change me. Change me, Lord. Change me. Transform me. I'm not who I'm going to be. I see Jesus. I see me, and I want to grow. And then me and the Lord do some, I might do some crazy wild stuff the next day with Jesus. I might just turn right around and do something crazy, just something wild, like, wow, that was impressive because it was Jesus. So when we take communion, folks, doesn't the Word of God say that, this is perfect segue, oh, that's good, Jesus, doesn't it say we should be sober-minded? Doesn't the Word say we should examine ourselves, right? Doesn't say beat yourself up. Doesn't say that. Just examine yourself. Paul told the Corinthians, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, didn't he? He said, examine yourself to see whether you're even in the faith. Examine yourself, get before the Lord, thank Him for His mercy, thank Him for His blood, understand what He did for you at that cross, and allow that blood to cleanse you from all condemnation. There is nobody here that has one sin that Jesus has not forgiven. When you leave today, if something's troubling you, you can leave in perfect peace if you turn it over to the Lord. Just give it to Him. You can go to communion and say, Lord, be graceful for me. Here's where I'm struggling. If you got ought against your brother, you can deal with it today. You can just get rid of it, lay it down at the feet of Jesus. You and the Lord can talk about it more later. Your sins are washed away. And guys, he broke his body for you. The Bible says when people don't discern the body, they're sick and weak. You can gain healing and strength by taking communion, allowing the grace healing and mercy of God, spirit, soul, and body into your life today. Isn't that good news? When Jesus gave communion, he said, this is my body and it's broken for you. It's broken for you. You can eat this bread and remember me that I, on that cross, I bore your sins on that tree and I shed my blood that you could be totally... I, I got fixated on a scripture this week. We're doing communion. That's what we're doing now. I got fixated. I told some people to give me warnings. I got fixated on a scripture this week. It said, not only does the Lord forgive you, this is in 1 John, 
It says he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Get this, I like this translation better. It says he purifies you. That's what I want. I want a pure mind. My mind, he doesn't just forgive me, he purifies me. I can go into communion. I can go into time with the Lord. The world can't do that. They're agonizing. They're wringing their hands. They got sin. They don't know what to do with it. They got to drink more. They got to get mad. They got to go on Facebook and rant and rave. They got to honk at you in the line. They got to snarl at you. They got to growl at you. They can't do it. You, on the other hand, can take all those things, lay them down for the Lord, and He cleanses you. He purifies you. And you can leave here as light as a feather, free, guilt-free, and you and the Lord can get off to a good start for this week. Amen? You can really do it every day. So here's what we're going to do with communion. We're remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. In light of His sacrifice, we're presenting our bodies, right? In view of His mercy, we're going to remember His mercy and His grace on us poured out. We're going to accept it, allow that cleansing blood to flow over us. I believe in the blood. I had to preach a message on the blood that cleansing blood to flow over us and know when we leave, we're at peace with God. Hop, skip, and a jump, not a care in the world. If you got to make something right with someone, do it. Let the Lord build that in you. Amen? One loaf. We're going to get into that. One loaf. We're going to do a little different today. Uh, Brandy, and if you and Fred don't go, I want to do communion with you today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put communion up here. You're going to come in and get the emblems you're going to find somebody, at least one other person, and you can go in the lobby, you can go in the corner, you can stay in your seat, I, you can take communion as a family. If you guys want to take communion as a family, you're going to gather together, and you're going to take communion together. Don't take it alone, find somebody. I want to take it with you guys. Brother Mark, jump in with us, okay? Amen? So Charlie, can you bring the communion implements up here? I'm going to pray, then I want you to come up, get your... What do they call them? Emblems? What they... elements. elements. Thank you. Thank you. See, I'm not perfect. Get your elements, okay? Go wherever you want. Don't take it alone. Take it with your family or friends. And when you're done, you go home. Someone say amen. amen. All right. Jesus means to us as a body. We are one loaf, Lord. We are one loaf and we are one body. We're not separate. We're not separate from you because of what you did on the cross. And we're not separate from one another. I thank you for your blood that cleanses us from all consciousness of sin. I thank you for your body that was broken for us, Lord. There's healing in there, Lord, spirit, soul, and body. Jesus, in light of your mercy, all we can do is thank you for it. Amen. So as you're led... Come up and get your elements.